Hi guys and welcome back to another Community Talk podcast on Trafford Talk and I'm happy to be on this week with a new guest, Arminiakos. How are you doing mate? I'm very good mate, thank you for having me on. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, obviously quite a tough quite a tough game to take but we're moving on. Anyway, we'll talk about all things United going from the youth um, the full way through during this episode. So I'm happy to have you on it. Obviously, you know quite a lot about um, United. You do, why you just tell the guys who you are and um, what you do for United? Uh, yeah, so I've just been, I've, I've been studying journalism and starting to get into media. So I've, I've started writing for the United Devils and now I'm part of the staff over at United Report. So just doing a lot of coverage, covering the games and, you know, through for, from the academy to the first team transfers news and, and all of that fun stuff to do with the club. So yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing to be, to be getting involved. Yeah, it's great to have you on and I'm pretty sure Arian will be a will be a future guest, if, and if it isn't for uh, the episodes previously on the different series, which are um, we're looking to start up um, for the Istanbul Besiktas game, we're looking to start up uh, the match the match day uh, preview, and then a, a match day review, which is obviously going on just now as well, hosted by the other guys involved. Um, so I'm going to just go on to the first question, which is an article that, that I saw um, on United Report that Aaron yourself wrote, and it was focusing on uh, Alvaro Fernandez, who personally, whenever I watched him in the youth setup, he has been fantastic and a real asset. And I know that um, from what I've read, I didn't obviously know him at Real Madrid, but from what I read, um, it seemed as if Marcelo took him under his wing uh, and nurtured him um, throughout his time at Madrid. I think we've got a really good player in our hands. Um, and, I mean, we've got some other good wing-backs as well just now coming through the ranks. But I must say, I think I'm the most excited about Alvaro Fernandez. He looks amazing from what I've seen recently. What's your views on um, Fernandez? Yeah, it's an interesting one, him, because he's still very young. But... The competition for places in the academy at Madrid apparently was very stiff over there. And I think Madrid have kind of grown out to be the side that rather brings in player rather than like, you know, just let players come in through the academy and fill in the first team spots, which is unfortunate for them. But I think Alvaro himself saw an offer from United that kind of gave him a path into the first team if he continues to improve. And I think, like you've said, in the academy games that I've seen of him, because I haven't watched him prior to that at Madrid, he has looked very good both in the back four and in the back five as a wing back. Um, and he's also very physical as well. So I think with the with the situation at United at left back, even though Tellez did just come in to kind of shore up that position, I do think that in the coming years that will be a spot that will be available for, for somebody maybe from the academy to break through. And I think he might be a very good candidate for that position. Yeah, yeah, I think he's very he's he's lean and very good on the ball, which you don't usually get. I feel as if most of our wing backs are pretty similar. Obviously, apart from Tellez now, who's just come in. But uh, obviously, defence does come first. But it does seem as if Fernandez really likes to get forward and help the attack. Which as it's, it's refreshing to watch the the young players just now because personally, I think uh, my views on United have changed recently. Uh, the, the the club as a whole is not going the way I would like it. But whenever you look at the youth setup, it looks fantastic. And the players we brought in, Matt Gerardo as well, I, I'm pretty sure you know about him. He, he seems fantastic as well. Hopefully, he'll get game time uh, in the future. But obviously, he's very young as well. It looks as if Fernandez is probably more likely to break through. Um, but yeah, it, look, it looks like an absolute steal from Real Madrid, the way he plays. Um, he, he just plays with confidence. And he, he does play like your traditional Spanish player where they, they, they express themselves and they like to get forward, they like to join the attack uh, with pace and aggression as well. It's it's amazing. Have you, have you got any other, any other thoughts on Fernandez? Yeah, I think I, I agree with you what, what you said in regards to him being that typical Spanish player. I think that's that Spanish school of football. He seems very, very cultured and, and calm on the ball as well, which is which is important for the style of play that United want to play, especially in possession. But what I've liked about him is for, for a young lad that initially came in as an under-18, 
he's been playing in the reserves at left back and he looks very aware positionally, which I think is one of the biggest criticism that we've been given to Luke Shaw, especially on the defensive side. He, he's often either too narrow or cut out when United are being hit down that right-hand side. And Fernandez is not only a physical and a, and a big-looking left back, but he also seems to be in the right places. And I think from, from here on, his game is only going to improve. So I think just kind of touching on what you said about United's academy and recruitment, what they've been doing in recent years has been incredible. And even this transfer window with uh, Diallo and Palistri, they're very much future signings for, for for big money. So I think that the the kind of recruitment and the looking for to the bigger picture rather than just going for all the big names is very, very promising. Yeah, obviously we didn't get the big names this year. I mean, basically all of Ole's uh, number one targets, which we'll get to later on. Um, and I spoke to Rusty B as well about that last week, about our targets. So if you've not listened to that um, podcast on Spotify or if you've not watched um, the video of me and Rusty, on YouTube, uh, we dissect everything to do with uh, how United have been uh, previously. But obviously, I'd really like to talk with you about how United look going forward and um, a player who seems in the near future not... I mean, I can't see him have a future, Edison Cavani. I've been very critical of him on Twitter but it's hard not to be, especially whenever um, I f- whenever you expect him to come in and be such an influential player, um, take the number seven shot. Ex- I expect more as of now. Yes, he's not played a game for, for a while, but I mean, I, I saw Roy Keane's comment. I didn't actually see it before the game, but um, it seemed as if he really wasn't trying during the warm-up, which baffles me to why he would even be on the bench because these players surely aren't fit to pull on pull on the United shirt. I mean, whenever I've been growing up, it's been players who we've all adored. I'm pretty sure you have as well. Um, you, you can help me with names here that just stand out. They play for the club. And then you look at other players like Falcao, Di Maria, who come in and that's really all they do. They fill a gap because we don't get whoever we want. And I can't help but say Cavani looks like the same issue. The the way, yes, we obviously know he is gifted, but he was nowhere near a number one target or probably even top 10. I mean, we could have signed, we could have got him on a pre-contract last January and we got him on the last when we got him on deadline day, and you look at that. Would I blame Ole for that? No, because he had these targets in in place. He had Sancho, who he missed out on, which I was absolutely gutted over. I'm pretty sure you were as well. And then he had the centre backs as well, Upe Meccano, even going back to before the window in your March April time. Upe McC- uh, sorry, Jude Bellingham, fantastic young player. We missed out on him, who went to Dortmund. And you look at strikers, I feel as if that was really a last resort because they, expect, they expected the Gallo to be able to fill the second striker role. Before uh, COVID-19 uh, really took a toll on the Premier League and, and stopped us uh, from, from watching him and seeing the guys play, uh, Gallo looked probably one of the best players, especially against Lask. I mean, they didn't obviously look amazing, I understand that, and they weren't, it's a Europa League game, but... For a second striker, he looked as if he would be able to do it. Whereas for me, Cavani now looks uninterested and he's getting paid 200, 200 grand a week. It just doesn't add up. And I felt as if, as a club, Ole was trying to get away from the typical, oh, we're, Man- we're Manchester United, we need to put 300k on a striker just to get him in. We, we shouldn't be like that. We are a club, obviously, who's... I'd, for me, the most successful club, in the, one of the most successful clubs in the world, probably the best club in the world, the most followed club in the world. Um, I think that's very hard to argue with. And players should obviously want to come come to our club, no matter where we are in the league, no matter how we're doing. You always get players, and I would rather have those guys than people like Cavani, who is really just here for a paycheck, one last big paycheck before he goes to well, America, China, wherever. 
I'd like to hear your views on it because I have disagreed with a lot of guys on Twitter and I ho hope that has cleared a few things up. Well, uh, for me, initially, it definitely felt like, you know, kind of a guy who's a free agent all summer and hasn't played competitive football in a number of months because he was injured for pretty much the whole season for PSG. Coming in on deadline day is you cannot fool the fans or anybody by saying that we have been interested in him for a long time. And you bring him in in the last hours of deadline day and give him the number seven shirt because you weren't able to tie up the Sancho deal. Now, that was... I think that just kind of summed up the, the club as a whole, how it's ran the recruitment and how they just weren't able to get any of Solskjaer's first targets as it was reported by multiple outlets by the end of the transfer window. But he definitely felt like a stopgap. But I do think that Egalo, since uh, the lockdown finished and footballer returned, it, he just didn't look like he could cut it for, for what United were trying to do. It's just that the player that was there pre-COVID has just kind of disappeared. His loan got extended, and I don't know if his confidence was shot, but the striker position went from something that wasn't an immediate priority to kind of, well, if we can get somebody in to kind of give a different option for Martial, then then so be it. But, so but we had the full summer. That's what, that's what I just can't yeah. understand, how that happened. I mean, we had the full summer to get another player in that wasn't Cavani. He could even have been younger. I don't know names. You, could, you can obviously probably help me here as well on that, but just... He doesn't need to be world-class. Just someone who can help Martial. I mean, Martial's had obviously quite a rough time and you look at it now and you just wish that we had someone that could that could play there and fill the gap. But obviously we're quite thankful that Martial's now back against Istanbul Besiktas um, on Wednesday, which will be today, whenever you guys see this, as, as we've recorded it on Tuesday. But yeah, back back to Cavani. I'd like to hear more, obviously, about about what you think of him. Do you think he's fit to wear the number seven? Personally, I don't. I think it's I think it's absolutely crazy. Number seven. Whenever I was growing up, um, I've seen Beckham, Ronaldo. Just, I mean, I've seen Michael Owen on, which was quite frightening. But <laughs> like, I've I've seen legendary players yeah. in the in the day, and now we've got Cavani who. He's not going to be here for long. I wish we had held it for someone who's really going to thrive in that shot because it means so many different things to United. Yeah, I, I think, obviously, like you're saying, the number has become a legacy number at United ever since, but ever since Ronaldo left. It just kind of seems to be passed on to every next player that United hope might be the guy to, to put in the kind of performances that Ronaldo did. And it's, it's just, yeah, the, the Cavani thing, I, when it comes to judging him on what he does for United, I'm going to reserve judgment for another while until I see him start a few games. Because I think from what we've seen, he looks like he can be serviceable and he gives you something different. But what I didn't like, particularly in the Arsenal game, was when he came on, I'm assuming he came on to bring some physicality in that, to that Arsenal back three. But I keep seeing him out wide and not really occupying the spaces that, that you want a big physical number nine, or in his case, number seven, to occupy. So that was kind of a worrying thing for me. But I'm assuming that he is due a start pretty soon. And and I think that will kind of start showing what he can contribute to the club. But I, I just have that thing with United and South American signings um, that it just hasn't been working out historically. Di Maria, Falcao, now Cavani. That's the kind of thing that comes into your head straight away when you see this signing is all again. And it's just the ultimate panic buy, isn't it? Like Like, like we said all along, a deadline day signing of a free agent and you just give him the number seven because there's nobody else you can give it to. And and, and here we are. Yeah, the, the, the South American curse. I mean, you look at Fred, has he broken it? I mean, we could, we could go on and talk about midfield if you would like about who you, who you play in midfield. Um, obviously, it's quite a difficult situation just now, but I mean, we've got issues all over the park at the moment. In the last couple of games, it's been it's been painful, apart from Leipzig, which was a real shock to me. I don't know about you, but um, five now, very unexpected. Fred played fantastic. Um, but then again, you, you look at the league form, it's absolutely terrible from home. Worst we've done for years. And then, and then you go on to the Champions League. I mean, if he beat, if he beat Istanbul twice now, that's us in the, in the last 16. Yeah. It doesn't add up. I do think 
I, I think, for example, Cavani, I mean, we kind of disagree. Obviously, I know you said that you'd like to wait, which is fair enough. And I, I, ho- I, I really hope that you prove me wrong. But the vibes that I'm getting so far, yeah. it looks as if it's just not going to work. It looks like one of those signings, one of the panic buys. And you look at all the great managers as well who haven't went near transfer deadline day. Sir Alex Ferguson never went anywhere near it in most of his time because it is just down to panic and you pay way more than what the player's actually worth. And it's it, it's, it was frustrating that transfer deadline day when we brought in Ahmad Priori and he didn't have a passport and then we brought in uh, Pelistri um, on the last day. Bizarre looks like the, the fact we didn't get the, the, the guy from Partizan Belgrade who's went to Manchester City. Crazy. Yeah, they always confirmed. Was it um, Felix Stevanovic? Yeah. Sure it was. It was confirmed. Everyone was ready for it. It looked as if he was just waiting until um, he, he finished up his, his time at Partizan Belgrade, but didn't seem to materialise from such a huge source. Um, I couldn't, couldn't believe it whenever I, whenever I heard he was moving to Manchester City, but it looks like Pelistri came in to um, hopefully fill that gap. And I don't know if you've seen him play in the under-21s game. Under-23s, sorry, is it? Yeah, under-23s. And, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard for him to come over from South America once again, which we talk about, uh, to United on, obviously, a cold night. Um but yeah, fingers crossed that he'll work out as well, along with Cavani. I wouldn't, obviously, I would never wish for a player to do badly at United, but I think we need to be uh, real to ourselves most of the time. So I'm, I'm just going to move on to the formation. And obviously, it's been chopping and changing recently. Um, and I do praise Ole for that, the fact that he isn't just settling as he used to in the past for the same formation and go with that religiously every single week and it obviously proves that he's got tactics and good man management skills but I mean I need to refer back to this again Roy Keane I'm pretty sure you've seen the interview (laughs) what he said was I think spot on the way that United went about the park no manager could have changed that yeah they, they looked as if they lacked motivation and any sort of energy, especially Paul Burr, who's probably one of my favourite players. He was terrible. Man down on the field. They'd have been better playing with 10 men. Um, so, yeah, I'd obviously like to hear your, your, what you think about the formations. I mean, we went from a diamond to um, five at the back, Luke Shaw sitting in. I, I did actually quite like that um, against Paris Saint-Germain. Taylor's looked fantastic, but I'm pretty sure he's still out of the game tomorrow, which, sorry, today, Wednesday. Um, but what, what, what would you say? I'd like to hear your views on the Premier League kind of formation and who you put in it. Not obviously every every player, but the, the rough idea, the, the guys who will be in and out of whatever formation, you say? Yeah, so it's it's a difficult one for me because I was one of the people who I thought that I would be good to go into the game against Arsenal because they play five at the back. I thought that attacking, attacking them particularly narrow would have would have been something that United could have done well, especially seeing how well it worked against Leipzig. But it's just it's it's a it's an absolute myth to me how they're so good away from home, or maybe not so good, but they they feel more confident and comfortable away from home. And then when they come to Old Trafford, it just seems like they crumble, even though there is no fans. It's a uh, it's a strange one for me, but it's it's yeah, like to me, the first thing that I said after the Leipzig game was it's going to be all about the mentality of those players going into Arsenal because if they go in there thinking that they've already won, then we know how that turns out. And it's just this squad just seems to do that quite often. Once they go on a decent run and it seems like they've turned the corner, they just settle and get complacent. And now Solskjaer has been rotating more. I thought maybe it won't be an issue because if you play bad, you'll get dropped. But Again, it came up, and I agree totally with what you brought up about the Roy Keane thing. That it, ju- it just seems to me like the players gave up in that game. They didn't really turn up. It's like no manager could have done anything to light a fire under them, and the substitutions kind of helped a little bit, but you just never felt like we have a way back into that game after the, the silly penalty was given away. But just kind of referring back to your formation question, it's 
there are options now, at least we can say that for the first time in a long time. There's the ability to tweak mid-game or just to adapt to different opposition. But I really do think that United are the best suited at the moment to play with a diamond because of just how many options there are in the center. Uh, there are so many midfielders now, and you, you can't play all of them, but I think the diamond gives you the perfect balance of two players that can do the, the defensive work, and then you have two creative players like we saw against Arsenal. But I guess if you just don't do the basics and you're mentally not there, then all formation and tactics go out the window because you're just going to get outworked. Yeah, I think that um, I need to go against you with that formation. Um, I understand what you're saying. That I'm pretty sure you quite like Donny van der Beek to start. Um, so would I. I. I would love Donny van der Beek to, to play. Would you, would, you agree with, would you agree with me on that one? Um, Donny to start or what do you think? Yeah. I've been one of the people that I haven't been really like, I haven't taken it to heart that he hasn't started the Premier League game yet because I just feel like people just want him to play for the sake of it because he's a new signing. But I thought that th there was just kind of nowhere that he fits for me at the moment. I think he's a direct replacement for Bruno and Bruno is a bit undroppable. So I do think that with time, he will obviously get his starts in his games and God forbid an injury happens, then he, he becomes, he goes straight in there. So I think... It, it might not be the worst thing that he's kind of getting eased into it and, and not really getting thrown in the deep end because we've seen players that come in here and don't adapt straight away. So I, I haven't really been too fussed about trying to just kind of shoe fit him in, into that team as we have seen maybe the case with Pogba. Like you're trying, you're forced trying to accommodate him in a side and it just more often than not hasn't worked, especially in the big games. So I'm kind of patient with that one. But I, I, I like I, I understand if you have a different viewpoint on that one, but that, yeah. that one of the issues for me. Yeah, well, for example, Donny van der Beek um, is very versatile in the midfield, which I think is, is vital, especially for a squad player, if you're looking at him as that. But it doesn't seem as if United kind of gave him that role at the start to be the squad player, because people from Ajax, they're, they're bored, ex-players, they've come out and they've, they've been extremely angry about asking questions to why he's not playing, to why he's getting the last five minutes of games. I don't think that's there's any use in that, personally. Um, but even bring him on at the 60th minute, because he is a player who can change a game. Yeah. Even if you're playing in deep line, he played that role several times for Ajax, and he was amazing. Um, and he's actually played the majority of his games in that position. However, many people just believe that he can play just in behind the striker. We... we like very small touches uh, back and forth, but he can do much more. Um, he's a sensational player. Probably, I, I would I would have to play him, and I would play him deeper. I think he's possibly wasted, but I think he could still play it in a better way than McTominay and Fred, because those two guys need need to play together by the looks of it for them to, for them to excel, which is worrying because I mean Fred was a fifty million signing. And he can't he can't play alone in defensive mid. It's it's crazy. But and then you look at Matic, obviously he would be the ideal, the ideal player. I'm, I'm pretty sure for you as well to play in behind Paul Bun Bruno. Yeah. But he, again, he's too old. He, yeah, he's not got the legs for it. He only seems to be playing one or two games a month at most. Which is which is unfortunate and I think we need to look to to move Matic on. I'm pretty sure he'll be on a high wage. And if he's not playing the games and and not getting the starts either, I think he would probably be better just to just to move on. Um, I don't really see the point. And I think we would be better, obviously, either promoting a youngster, giving McTominay more games, or signing someone else. Um, I do believe the box-to-box -box midfielder, who is probably one of my top top targets, going into the window um, with Jude Bellingham box to box for his age I've never seen anyone like him he plays like Yaya Toure the way he moves about the park amazing I, Van der Beek I, I, was, I, I was obviously still happy with yeah sorry what were you saying I just think with Bellingham it was the timing that I think he was just another young player to add into a young squad that United weren't ready for but I do see what you're saying that I, I did think that a box-to-box -box midfielder was something that we needed more arguably even more than a, an attacking midfielder to be honest 
Yeah. But then again, going back to what you said about Van de Beek, I think he's so good at ball retention that I would have liked to see him earlier in that Arsenal game because he looked so good when it came to breaking out of the Leipzig press. I thought that we just needed somebody who can get the ball and not lose it straight away and pick out a pass, even if it was to play him deeper. But it just seems like Solskjaer is kind of sticking with throwing him on in the final third whenever he does come off the bench, which is odd for me for some reason. Yeah, and it also seems as if, as it come back to my point, whenever I, whenever I say we basically need two guys sitting in the sitting in the the hole in between the midfield and the defence. I mean, I don't know why we didn't go in for Thomas Partey. Yeah, him in the in in the pivot and the the defensive mid type area, he can play alone. He's quick enough, agile enough. He's an absolute powerhouse. Around and, the ball, yeah. And we didn't go in for him. You you look at that as well. Forty five million. Paid thirty odd million for a uh, Triori, who possibly will be good in the future. But surely you put your money elsewhere. On we need starters just now. People who can go straight into the team and fight for the badge and fight for obviously the league. Be very naive to obviously say we're going to get win the league or whatever. And now we're now we're sitting fifteenth at this moment in time. Whenever you're watching this video or recording, but. Gutted with that window, absolutely gutted. And formation, come back to the question. Obviously, we want a bit of a like roll on What formation would you play? Yeah, I think I would play different depending on what competition we're in. Champions League, I really did like the five at the back. Um, I felt as if Tele's obviously, I don't think he can play against Istanbul tomorrow, but and the and the, the, the games going forward, Tele's and left wing back was. Amazing, immense. What a player. Um he cro his crosses, wow. The, the way he got them in. Um I mean I, I said this last week to Rusty. I, I I've seen Phil Jones cross the ball from, from corners. It's been painful. We finally got someone who can really get the ball in the box. And hopefully for the right for our big guys. Because right now, guys who can cross the ball, especially wing backs, he's only he's the really only guy. In there, Shaw is pretty useless in that position, and I would play him in the left of the, the back three because he's very good at driving forward into the space through the central through the central area. As you said earlier on, he's very direct and very close to M Maguire or Lindelof. But you look at um, Teles, and he provides with with, and he's like. Avaro Fernandez, he actually reminds me of Tellez, the way he plays, the the enthusiasm, the, the the power going forward, which you don't usually get from British fullbacks. It's more your your kind of developed um foreign fullbacks. And Tellez is just the ideal, the ideal candidate to play left wing back. And if it can work against PSG, then I don't see why it couldn't work against him again and Leipzig going into the future. But would you possibly think about playing that in the Champions League, or would you would you still opt for the diamond? Because I know personally myself in the Premier League, I would love to play your classic four three three, or yeah. as you said, the diamond. Um, with the classic four three three, obviously that gives Pogba the power on the left, the midfield three, his most preferred position, his best position. To hopefully, fingers crossed, excel in that position. After he's been in horrible form, um, but yeah, what do you think? Would, would you still play the same formation in both in both competitions? Because obviously, Solskjaer looks to have a lot of different tactics up his sleeve, which I need to praise him for. At least he's trying different things out whenever it's not working. Yeah, I, I was definitely surprised that he reverted from that five at the back with wing backs formation into the Leipzig game. He went back to the four, and obviously, Twanzebe didn't play, who I do believe will play. Um, on tonight when this podcast comes out against Istanbul. It's yeah, it's it's an interesting one. And I think for the 4-3-3 is the one that I would love to see the most because I feel like even more so than the Diamond, United are the best fit to that formation. But it just doesn't seem like we ever really see it, especially when it comes to... I think when United are defending in certain games, they do drop off into that 4-3-3. But when they go forward, it just doesn't seem doesn't seem so, especially when they play two defensive midfielders, when then that just kind of isolates whoever is the creative outlet, which is usually Bruno. 
So, yeah, I, I do like that there are that many options now. Like you said, it's credit where it's due to Solskjaer that he he did go and tinker with the with the systems, especially when he did get some depth in the summer, even though obviously not, not the kind of quality that we wanted, but it still made the squad a lot better. But I, I do think that in the long term, you can't be chopping and changing every single game. And I, I do feel like he will have to nail down one system that is going to be his preferred one, like he did at the end of last season when he stuck to that 4-2-3-1. That was working very well, you know, with Greenwood on the right, Pogba and Matic in that double pivot. But obviously the game against Tottenham just before the international break showed that I don't think that's the way forward because they just got completely killed and outran in midfield. And I don't know if that was down to fitness or it was the tactics, but I don't think that we're going to see that one again, especially in a big game. So I, I think that the system that needs to be nailed down now is the one for games against teams that press high and play a low block. Because I think for those big games where you have to prepare for high quality opposition, well, then you tinker and you change and you you see what different tactics and systems you can play. But for those games that you're expected to win and dominate, you have to, I think, nail down that one formation, you know, that you will play your best side and, and go out there and get the three points that you're expected to get. Yeah, so I'm just going to move on um, from the formation side. I know we have spoke about this, but... Um, I would like to talk about the defence as well in more detail. And obviously I've said my part about Tellez and Shaw. Uh, I'd like to obviously hear your views about that. Um, but I've got three other, possibly even four other players in the defence. Um, I'm going to just start on what I would go about it, possibly who I'd even sign, and, and just really break it down because right now it seems very all up in the air and... There's a lot going on in the defence and there is a lot of chopping and changing because players are very inconsistent. For example, Maguire, he's been, I mean, he's not an £80 million player, is he? But it's not his fault. It's not the guy's fault. If you signed him for £50 million, you'd look at him and say, he's actually probably okay. Um, but you, you look at his partner, Lindelof, I just don't think he's good enough. Um, and then just overall um, I think he had a good season two years ago uh, very solid known as Iceman which he's not very icy anymore is he that's very always he's quite poor um, good in the ball yes but lacks it in the Premier League he can do it in Europe but whenever it comes to elite teams I'm pretty sure he struggles as well and talking about Europe the man I need to talk about, Axel Tuanzebe. Wow. The way he played against PSG was frightening. Pushing players off the ball. Mbappe, I say, I say players, probably the best youngster in the world. Mbappe. We're unfortunate, obviously, not to keep a clean sheet with Martial's own goal, but Tuanzebe, man, the match for me, amazing player. I would really like to see him uh, in the future starting for United every game. And people keep saying, oh, he's got an injury. He's been injured a lot. That's not really true. And I have done my research on um, his injuries. And it seems as if he's really just had a big injury um, last year, which put him out for months. He's never really had any injuries. If there has been, it's been wee niggly knocks um, throughout the seasons. For Aston Villa, I don't know if you can remember that year, whenever they were in the championship. He was amazing. Um but yeah, I, I would probably hope to bring him into the team in a back four with his pace and Maguire's. I think Maguire's very good on the ball and his head and abilities, obviously, probably one of the best there is. Um, and then obviously you look at Wan-Bissaka, who pretty much undroppable at the moment. I mean, we've got Fosu Mensa, who seems as if he's just there for backup because Dallow's out on loan. I quite, like, quite like to hear your views on Dallow, especially now that he's written up in Italy for AC Milan recently. And then obviously you've got your young guys coming through, which you know about the youth system as well, where it's um, Brandon Williams, who, I mean, I've disagreed as well on Twitter with quite a lot of guys about Brandon Williams. Um, I think he does offer something different coming on from the left uh, because you don't really get inverted fullbacks in the Premier League. The only one I can think of is Stuart Dallas, who does it amazing for Leeds. But apart from that, it's really only as Brandon Williams. And 
for for the youth games, he he played right back, which I can't really understand and why play him. And he's he's I always like to play players in their favourite positions. I think play fair enough if they're versatile, but if they're uncomfortable, and I think the transition from left back to right backs extremely different. It's a completely different ball game, and I think he would benefit probably out on out on loan. I have thought about it. At the start, I believed that he would do well under Wan-Bissaka um, to grow and hopefully improve. But now we've got Tellez that's been brought in. So we've got Tellez, Luke Shaw. I'm talking about wing-backs in general. So we've got Luke Shaw, Tellez, Brandon Williams, uh, Wan-Bissaka and Fosu Mensa. It's a long list of guys that, that he's really behind. He's third choice probably on both wings, on both wing backs. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think I basically covered everything with, with Dallo. It looks as if he'll, he'll really improve on the year out at AC Milan. And I'm pretty sure Ibrahimovic will get on a lot of the lot of these crosses. I wish we had Ibrahimovic over Cavani, but we'll have that conversation another day, I'm sure we will. So what's your views on the defence? Yeah, so I... I, I'm kind of impressed with their response after the Spurs game because Bailly went out, Lindelof came back in, and the, the back four has kind of stayed the same since other than that PSG game, and they've looked solid. They Before Arsenal, they've only conceded twice, and it was both on goals as well, so that was good because you, you play the likes of Chelsea and Newcastle away. Arsenal as well didn't really look that threatening until that silly penalty giveaway, so I think... And you call Leipzig to a clean sheet as well, so I think that's... That's promising and that gives you options now. Like you said, it seems like there's two players for every single position across that back four. Or even if you want to play a back five, you can do that quite comfortably. Um, when it comes to Williams, I think with Tellers and Shaw on the left now, I do think that he will probably be a backup right back in the first team, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I can't see how and when he gets game time out on the left with them two when Tellers yeah, comes back. the best. Yeah. So I, I do, and I do like Williams more than I do like Fosa Mensa. I think I just think he's he's more composed. He has looked better in the first team when it comes to the longevity. Fosa Mensa broke through that year under Louis Van Hal and looked like he might be the business going forward. But a few bad long spells, and I just think his confidence has been knocked. And maybe a move away soon might be the move for him. But I do think that Williams has shown that he is reliable, even on the left hand side, playing an inverted role that. I think he was forced to play in the academy, but that's the role that he broke through to the first team in. And I thought he, I, I was, oh, I was never really too crazy. I don't think he had that many bad games, to be honest. I think maybe two or three when he was really demanded to start week in, week out. But other than that, I thought he was always reliable defensively. And like you said, he just offers that something different going forward because Luke Shaw kind of occupies the pockets that Marcus Rashford wants, whereas Williams used to always come inside and give you more room out on that hand side. So I would see him being back up to Juan Bissaka this season. And like you said, Juan Bissaka is, I think, the only one there that is undroppable at the moment. He looks back to his best again. The, the tackles are going in. The teams have to go down their right-hand side or or they're not getting through him. So it's just going to be interesting to see what Solskjaer wants when it comes to going forward, if he's going to stick with the four or go back to the five. But I do think that defensively they've really shored up and and stepped up their game after that diabolical performance against Spurs. Yeah, definitely. Um, talking about the defence, I do I do agree with you. Um, Williams does obviously bring something new, and I wouldn't obviously start him. Um, and Wan Bissaka, I'll need to talk about him because I didn't really go into much detail. I feel as if. He is just completely undroppable. He, he looked very fatigued before um, before uh, the, the summer um, because obviously the the, the run of games was very was very quick. I think we were playing two or three games a week. It was a lot for him, especially whenever he's going up and down the wing every single every single game for ninety minutes. He really wasn't getting a break. And we did see Fosu Mensa come through. Yes, he was quite painful at times the way he kind of just stands at right back he doesn't he doesn't really like to get forward but okay for backup and I can understand why you keep him as a rotational player because again he's versatile yeah. I think Ole has tried to create that kind of culture where you've got the few guys who can come into the team and play anywhere all the big teams 
have that player. James Milner, I know obviously he's better for some answer, but I'm just meaning, for example, Donny van der Beek. You've got your James Milner, your Fernandinho's, players like that where they can just fit into the holes and the gaps in the team where he's not really got just now. And no, we've not really had sorry previously, but now I think we, we have cleared up that area slightly. And he has obviously got rid of the, the Deadwood. I think there's only a couple of guys left, kind of like your Lingards and Phil Jones. I mean, I, I don't even know what Phil Jones is doing recently. I think he's just watching training. I don't think I think there's even a point in him training. Really, do you? He's, can't believe he's on over a hundred k a week. <laughs> he's just collecting the paycheck. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy, and, and so was Chris Smallin towards the end before he went get loaned out to Roma. I'm up. I'm happy that the fact that managed to go over the line i mean i know it was for quite a small amount but if they're not playing and if they've not got a future and if they're training alone get them out there's absolutely no point put them up for for cheap marcus rojo as well I, I, i'll talk about him briefly i don't know if if, if you managed to watch the game um the, the last under 23 game uh, marcus rojo played in a back five next to main game fish and he was terrible he, he was the worst out of the back five. Um, he got taken up. Yeah, he was. He was absolutely shocking. Um, he was the first guy to go off out of the back five because we're obviously losing. Um, and we went on to win the game. The ninety-six minute winner from Ethan Galbraith is obviously one for the future as well. And yeah, it's, it looks like he's not got a future to me as well. But we just can't get rid of him. High wages, high contracts. Well, poorly ran club at the end of the day from the top to the bottom it's it's not good and it's not what I've grown up to support as I said in a, in a previous podcast I've grown up to support Sir Alex Ferguson who I'm also Scottish as well as you probably know by now um, who's one of my heroes Sir Alex Ferguson and David Gill as well who was an absolute magician behind the scenes he brought in some amazing players recruited amazing young players who went on to be staples in the club. Whereas now you look at it and you think all these players just get brought in due to poor recruitment from really Mourinho, Van Hal, and Moyes, even go back even going back to Moyes. So many issues and I think Solskjaer's doing very well to clear some of it up. He's done the best job he can. I mean, I know I'm going on a bit of a, a tangent here, but um Andreas Pereira, like I'm so glad we've managed to get him out on loan and he managed to score for Lazio the, the weekend. Fingers crossed they'll take him as well. But, yeah, so I'm going to actually talk about Solskjaer and I just want to really know, I mean, I've, I've spoken about it briefly, about his tactics and his game plan, but I was just wondering, just a wee quick question, what's your views on um, the, the way he's playing? Because obviously you're very active on Twitter as well as me and you, you see the tweets that, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is just a PE teacher, a Norwegian PE teacher, and he's got no skills to his game. He's, he's kind of broken the way he manages, which I don't personally believe, and I, and I proved that from what I've said during um, the fact he can change formations. But I'd like to obviously hear what you think about his tactics and his game plans and his, his substitutions late on, things like that, just everything involved with his managerial work so far. Yeah, the the PE teacher arguments and, and stuff like that is just it's they're all so plain and, and empty because when it comes to the big games where tactics really matter, um he has a very good record and, and the ones that he has lost, maybe other than the Spurs game, have never really like you might have never gotten thrashed under him, other than that Spurs game and that Everton game uh this last season or the season before last. Um that's that, that's pretty much it. He always seems to set up his teams the right way. And I do think like if, if one of your arguments is that Solskjaer can't be United's manager because he lacks the football knowledge or tactics, well, that's just, you're not even worth having a discussion with, to be honest, because he has proved it time and time again. I think the, th the thing that has let him down the most has been the consistency. And I give equal blame to him for that as the players because they have to be held accountable for, like Roy Keane said the other night, you don't really need the manager to get you up for a game for Man United. Like 
you should be going in there and knowing that the, the kind of basics that you have to do with that badge on your chest. And yeah, the stadium's enough. I mean, look at it, Old Trafford. It's one of the best stadiums in the world. But Roy Keane said it's, and they can't seem to get motivated. I mean, exactly. It seems like there's a group of players that need to be motivated every single game, or they will just kind of drown in in the in an ocean that is. It's it's very worrying that 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 because we've seen that United at their best. And the two runs that we've put in under Solskjaer, the one when he was interim, and then last season that they didn't lose a game since I think March or February in the Premier League, they're very capable and they're very dangerous at their best. But it's just about nailing down that consistency. And that, that has been an issue, obviously. But I, I don't think that's just solely his fault. I know that he can't be um, kind of just viewed as this saint that can do no wrong because obviously even the people that are Ollie in, if you want to call it that, but I hate that debate. But that's a conversation for another reason, for for another day. Um, I think he has gotten some team selections wrong. I think tactically, he's still a young manager that very much learning on the job. He did, he has gotten it wrong in some games when it comes to tactics, team selection, and I think last season he really refused to make substitutions. But I think that's down to the fact that he just had nobody there that he could rely on to change a game. You see, this season, most of the wins that United have had, he's kind of set up a team for 60 minutes, then brought the subs on and killed games off that way. So he is using it when he has actually gotten semi-backed, gotten some players in. He has shown that he is capable of in-game management as well. So I think there are far more positives than negatives from his tenure so far. And I'm seeing now six games into a Premier League season with United, if they win their game in hand, six points off top spot, people saying that he should be sacked, well... I don't. I don't see what that fixes at the moment. Yeah, I must say I, can, I completely agree with you on everything you've said uh, from the start to the end. It's crazy the fact people are calling for his head. I mean, I mean, some of my mates on on Twitter are saying um, the fact that he should get sacked and he should be held accountable for basically his actions and, and the way he's going about his job. But you look at it and you think this is a rebuild and it's not going to be a short season exactly. for him and he's going through such a rough patch I mean this we're not going to get any harder and um, the games aren't going to get any harder than what they are just now I mean get Everton on Saturday as well people just need to embrace the team and remember what we had last year because for example the PSG game away where we managed to win I don't know how and we brought on Tahit Chong and Greenwood, I can't remember the third player. But you look at that and you think, look where we came from to look where we are just now. Because those guys were unproven. Yes, I was wanting Greenwood to get on and Chong. But that was me just being a fan. But tactically, that is so wrong. And they're completely out of depth. It was like their first game. Um, and then you look at, compared to now, um, we're going from Andreas Pereira, Chong, who hopefully, I, I, I hope he does well in Germany and he comes back over his two years and excels at United. But you look at Andreas Pereira, Lingard, they were the guys who used to get used as your as your squad players. And we've now upgraded to your likes of Van Der Beek. I mean, Juan Mata's getting a lot more games and he seems to be really enjoying his football. Next to guys like Van Der Beek and Bruno Fernandes, he seems to fit in perfectly. And there has been improvements throughout, and he's really trying to clear out the deadwood. So I've, I've got no complaints about Solskjaer so far. I'm not saying that's going to change, and it's nothing to do with nostalgia. I mean, I, I wasn't even born whenever Solskjaer was playing for United. No, I was born. That's completely lies. I'm not 12 or whatever. But like, I've not seen him play. Sorry. I think, I think he stopped playing in maybe 2006 for United, but I started, play, I started watching in 2007, 8. But yeah, um, so I'm not too emotionally attached to social like some of the fans. I think that people do need to try and tear away from that because obviously you need to remember he, he's still the manager of Man United. He's managing probably the biggest club in the world in the hardest stage. And you, I'd quite like to actually put this question in as well. See, even if he did get sacked, which I really hope he doesn't, and I, I really wish I didn't have to have this conversation, but it keeps coming up. Yeah. I just want to put it to bed. I don't believe there is anyone on the market just now that be willing to like they'd be willing to give up their job 
to join United. The only the only manager, sorry, not player, that I could imagine coming who could fit in in the future, not just now because it doesn't look like he'll leave, is Julian Nagelsmann of RB Leipzig, who's a young, innovative manager with a lot of potential. I mean, you look at, I'll, I'll give you some names, Poch and Allegri, I, I just, Poch is unproven, really. Yes, he's Premier League proven, but has he done much? No. Done nothing, actually. And Allegri, he comes into a finished article. Juventus, I mean, I think I could have managed Juventus in, in one league. There's the team they had over, over that time, I mean, they still got it, they still got Ronaldo, but it was amazing. They absolutely wiped wiped the floor with everyone in the league. He's not the player we need. He's like a Mourinho type manager. Um, obviously not personality wise, but his presence. Yeah. I just not needed, not needed in the club, and he'll change the philosophy of the club as well, which is a staple of United. So, what, what's your views on that whole topic? Which I really wish you didn't have to talk about. <laughs> it's- it's difficult for me because you know most of the fans end up their culture um, to want a man to win. Kyle Deadwood set up a culture of football and win everything in the first season in charge. And like we've seen with Van Hal and Mourinho, who were the guys that were brought in here to win straight away, it didn't happen. It like they won some trophies, but when it comes to being, we, we didn't have one single title challenge because the time we finished second, we were 50 points behind. And yeah, the, they, they didn't get in, but the, enough backing, which Solskjaer right now is being the victim of as well. But it's it's just like when you look at the criteria that Solskjaer came in under, the club was, the atmosphere around the club was toxic. There was a lot of dead wood that needed to be shifted. And it just needed to be a cleanse and a kind of restamp on what Manchester United is about. You know, the DNA is a cliche, but it's true, though. There is a certain DNA that comes along with this club. And he has kind of gotten United playing that way. And the team at the moment is maybe the first one in years that people actually like and want to get behind. And you enjoy watching them play football. So I do think that he's ticking off the boxes when it comes to the rebuild. But people, for some reason, are still refusing to give him the time. And I understand, and I'm fully prepared to not see him win the Premier League, but I just don't think his project is finished. And I think he's shown enough in the time that he's been here that he can at least set this club up for somebody, like you said, that comes into a ready-made article to come in and just add the finishing touches and bring in some quality and go on and start winning things. But I I just cannot agree with sacking managers every season and a half, two seasons, because you start... You start getting their philosophy in, you bring in their players, and then a new guy comes in. We can't shift the players because United's net spend over the last years is only second to Man City because we buy in cluelessly and then you just cannot get rid of them because of the wages and they're just not good enough for other clubs to be interested in for the money that United won in return. So I totally agree with what you said in terms of at the moment, I think the only guy that really kind of fits United's philosophy who's available is Pochettino, that he would play the style of football that the fans would be happy with. But like you said, what kind of, how are fans so assured that he will win when he has never won before? It's- yeah, I, I made the mistake by saying he's proven. He's not He's not proven at all. He took Spurs. Yeah. He, he, he done wonders with Spurs, but you look at it and you think... Could he do it at a top t- top tier club? Possibly not, because I mean he's, he's still yet to win the Premier League. He, he's still yet to actually win a trophy, um, which is frightening for me to bring in a manager like that. Um, and I know Solskjaer, but Solskjaer knows the club very well, and he's he's got he's, he has had some form of managerial experience. And he done fantastic, obviously, in his caretaking period at United as well. He was he was great. I felt. But yeah, going on to the final question before um, we finish up, um, I'd like to obviously talk about what's your thoughts for the season ahead. I know it's obviously difficult just now, we've got a game in hand, we're 15th, but we're really not out of anything just now. I'd like to hear what you think about the Champions League, the Cups and the league. I mean, Spurs 6-1, painful, but we move on. I think that Spurs are an anomaly. Like, like that happens once every 
whatever the game where they were getting beat by the red car and they just got ran over after. I think that shows that they can do that but I, I do think we're 15th but I'm not looking into it that much because like I said you have a game in hand on Burnley and then you win that and you're six six points off after seven games played obviously Everton is a huge one now on the weekend you have to bounce back there and show well starting on tonight and then bouncing back on the weekend it's important to start winning those games more than losing them and ideally one of those Solskjaer trademark runs that he always goes on when you just don't lose and you keep winning and have the occasional draw is needed but I do think that we've seen last season that United are a cup side that on any given day they could pretty much beat anybody in the world if they set up properly and their right application and commitment is there tactically they can set up and beat pretty much everybody with that counter-attacking style or even with the quick possession-based football now that there's better technically players at the club so I would expect the trophy I think from this season a sign of progress would be to comfortably finish in the top four and win a trophy because I think even though this season is wide open the expectation shouldn't be to win the league right now even though it's possible like like I said six points off if they win the game in hand it's 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 not a big gap. It's a gap that's make upable, and a lot of teams are showing that this season will be difficult. Like nobody has really looked like a standout title challenger at this point in time, and a lot of the clubs are still hanging about the mid table. So it's it's nonsense for me to to start calling for a manager's head six games in under these circumstances because I know the format Old Trafford is worrying, but it's something that is fixable. I think with time, uh, that's going to change again. They just need to kind of I think regel. And, and regain their confidence because they seem more confident away at the moment. But yeah, like I said, I think a successful season is a trophy and a comfortable top four finish. And another summer where you just want them to get backed because I think if, if he survives this season and gets top four easily and wins a trophy, I think that's where you kind of prepare for a title challenge then. You go into that, you assess your squad, you shift out whatever is left there that you feel is not necessary, and you bring in a couple of like really good players to boost this squad and really set up for a title charge. Yeah, definitely say that um, for United. I mean, hopefully they do bring maybe a player in in January um, to help the charge in, in Europe. It, it does seem as if we're in a very good spot to qualify in the Champions League. If it beat obviously Istanbul twice, then that's us qualified and a get in a great position for that. But in the league, as you said, you, you can't rule anything out at all whatsoever. Um, and I think every fan knows that. Well, sensible fans do that at this moment of time, it's way too early to, to decide um on where we're going to finish. But obviously it's just we're just talking um theoretically in the future of what the possibility could be and whereabouts will be. I do believe we'll, we'll still manage to grab it back. And I mean, we're only six points behind in the grand scheme of things. That's really not far. But as you said, Ollie's job, not from me, not from you, but from other fans and probably Ed Woodward, his job will be on the line at the weekend if he doesn't show up against um, Everton and if the players don't, don't help him out in the park. I pray we win at the weekend, but you know, you, you just don't you know. Just, it's just everything is just up in the air. We can go win five now, for example, against Leipzig, and then lose one nil against Arsenal. I mean, you don't, you don't, we don't know what we're going to get tomorrow either. I mean, I hope, fingers crossed, we'll have a good game against Istanbul, and um, yeah, it's just I, I'm, I'm very happy to be on my sensible guy. Today, that's not um, not biased, not not get any agendas. Just understands the club, Aaron, just like yourself, and kind of agrees with me. But it, when usually on the community talk series, I mean that will not that usually won't happen. It'll usually be guys who will come on, share their views. I'll disagree, but with this one, I mean I can't disagree with really anything you've said today. It's been a pleasure having you on anyway. Um, and you're more than welcome to come on. I'm pretty sure every, all the guys will see you on match day reviews and, and previews. So you know where he is. He's he's at is uh, 
just to the, the right of me here. And, um, you know, obviously to like and subscribe uh, to the YouTube channel if you're on Spotify. Thanks for listening. Uh, and, yeah, have you got any final words to say, Aaron, before we sign off for today? Absolutely agree with what you said there on the on the sign off. Uh, enjoyed the chat and glad to come on any time, mate. It was a it was a good one, and hope hopefully we can have another chat here in the coming weeks on the back of a good few games in succession that United have won instead of a loss. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, Nick. Thanks.